0: Welcome to the Business Nightingale Project, where we get real, we get honest, we get open conversations with entrepreneurs whom you may recognize and who are willing to share some of the most private, darkest times of their lives and how they got through, all to help you. So welcome to the show. Today, I have with me Tracy Brinkman. Oh, my goodness, what an interview this is going to be. From hitting the rock bottom of drugs, divorce, bankruptcy, and even the death of an 18-month-old daughter, to running the planning and marketing of some of corporate America's finest companies, to spearheading his own marketing companies, Tracy Brinkman's passion is helping small business owners be seen. He is a business and success coach that helps entrepreneurs triumph, especially when life is not fair, which is one of the reasons I am so excited to have him here today because he knows participation awards do not feed your family nor your drive to succeed. And he, in everything that he does, shares all that he has learned about starting, restarting, kickstarting, and stepping up your entrepreneurial game. All he says, while not ignoring that amazing tool between your ears. He is amazing. And on top of that, he is the host of the podcast, Dark Horse Entrepreneur. Tracy, it is such a pleasure and an honor to have you with us today. How are you?
1: I'm, I'm, you know, I am three shades of awesome, Cindy. Thank you so much for uh, <laughs> having me up on the mic with you.
0: I love that. You are three shades of awesome. So, I (laughs) want to thank you for sharing your time with us today. Sure. Because, especially, you know what it's like to experience difficult setbacks, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But to get started, I want to focus because we get real on the show. I want to start off with just one thing for just a moment, because there are so many who are facing panic and fear anxiety and depression in the midst of everything that is going on. So in our brief time together today, right now, will you start us off with just a premium thought? What is your perspective that can help people who may be struggling with complete hopelessness?
1: You know, that's a that's a great question actually. And I have been on the on the hopeless side of the track a number of times. I think For me, it's probably twofold. I'll drop two here for you, a little bonus. Uh, I think the first one is you got to be you. Uh, I know anytime, if I think back over my 50 plus years on this big blue spinning globe that we're on, um, anytime I was really feeling hopeless, I was probably trying to live up to someone else's expectation. I wasn't being me. Right. And when you start just being you, and I mean, being the real you, not the defensive you, not the walled you, but who you are inside that person that only, you know, if you can let that person out, that really starts to free up, um, uh, that that hope to to come back in um and i think number two um besides of just being authentic is the only person that you should be comparing yourself to is yourself yesterday i don't even care Mm. about i don't even care about who you were three years ago four years ago just who you were yesterday and if you are a minute step forward from where you were yesterday rocking it. If for some if something has happened and you're a minute step backwards, well, now you can look at that and say, "All right, I know how to fix that. That's only a minute step from yesterday. I can now step two steps forward and and, and start rocking it."
0: Wow. Well said. Thank you. Okay, so in every life there are tough events mm-hmm. and then we have the happy events. What is the story from your life of how you got to be where you are today and especially how you evolved into what you just shared with us.
1: Well, I've been lucky enough. It started, I'll, I'll, I'll make this as short as possible, but <laughs> you know, 50 years, that's hard to do, right? <laughs> um, my dad was a, a 23 year veteran in the military. Uh, so I was lucky enough to grow up all over the United States and even in Europe. And so I got to experience a a large array of personality types and, you know, creeds, colors, religions. Um, But uh, coming off of that, though, um, when my dad retired, we settled into Southern California. So I went from all this awesome structure to probably the most liberal place on the planet, let alone in the United States. And uh, right of my teen years started. So that set me, uh, just, oh, this freedom, you know. And um, luckily, I made the choice of joining the service myself coming out of the service or coming out of high school. I just, I'm going to go right in there. Went back to Europe. Um, I grew up speaking the language. So it was easy to, you know, uh, get involved with things that were out there. Uh, And then coming out of the service, I started my little, my little company um, right at the dot-com boom. So for the first time, I really had what I will call real money, right? You're like, okay, if I wanted something, I just go buy it. Which was kind of cool. However, I was back in Southern California and that real money afforded me opportunities to uh, get into the drug scene in Southern California and uh, I got a little too deep way too deep. Um, I even got to the point, and it was about two years running, where I was uh, selling it to support my habit. And uh, I, unfortunately, I was, and I, know, I don't wear this as a badge of honor, don't don't, don't get me wrong here. Um, I was pretty good at it, unfortunately. And uh, to the point where I got on the radar screen of the local police, and they kicked my door down. So that's Roller coaster dip number one, the police kicking my door down. Now, luckily I wasn't there when it happened. And when I got home and saw my door had been kicked in, it's like you, it's like like you see in the movies, right? Furniture is tipped over, everything's all in disarray. There was fruity pebbles poured out on the ca- kitchen counters. They were looking for, you know, illicit goods. And uh, the real kicker at this moment, as I'm standing there looking at everything, is I have a four-month-old daughter. Ugh. So now it's no longer my life that I'm hosing up. Um, I'm now impacting a new life on this planet. And my father always said family first. And he didn't just preach it. I mean, he lived it. You know, I can remember a number of times calling him up at work, even in the military, and saying, Dad, I got a problem. And he was there every single time. So my brain, my subconscious is going, dude family first. And, uh, I made the the choice. I went to my mom and dad almost, you know, dude, I really need your help. And God loved them. They were, they were there for me to help me clean up my act and my body. And, uh, now mind you, this these two years of doing, you know, things on the dark side, so to speak, um, gave me that, that mental kick to the head. And I mean that in a negative way. I didn't have, the self-confidence to go right back out there and start selling what I know I could do and, and, and make good money out of it. I right? just, cause I, you know, I could just picture myself walking into an office and someone going, didn't I see you down at the corner slinging cane and stuff, you know, right. You know, so I started doing, you know, day jobs, working in a warehouse, doing filing jobs, temporary office jobs, everything I could just to build my confidence back And, you know, about a year or so into that, uh, I felt worthy and I stepped back out and I landed a good role at the Coca-Cola company. And that started my corporate America climb. And, you know, so going from, you know, the drug scene uh, and getting that kick in the head and then really just having to rebuild. And there was a lot of Reflection in that, that uh, kind of said, dude, right? And I was amazed. I was lucky to have someone I called my brother until he passed away. He he was my brother from another mother, but he was that one person in my life that no matter what I did wrong, I could go talk to him. And he would, you know, he'd be honest, right? Smack me upside the head if that's what I needed, or just let me cry on his shoulder. And uh, I think everyone needs someone like that, whether it's a, a spouse, a best friend, uh, you know, a minister, a father, a priest, whatever is someone that you can just go to and be open without fear of reprisal. Right. And uh, I was lucky enough to have that. So that was a huge, huge turning point for me.
0: As I, as I sit here and I think about that, the the thought that comes into my mind is no man is an island.
1: And that's that's so true, right? I mean, and no man is an island, and I think when you when you, when you stop being selfish, and, and I mean this, right? So you you have to take care of self first, but that's not selfish. That's self care, which is completely different. Um, when you stop being selfish, so me you know, doing what I was doing, selling those drugs was to feed my selfishness in that moment that that door was kicked in and I looked over, she wasn't there when it was kicked in. Thank God, right. That could have been awful. But when I, you know, physically pictured my my new daughter, you know, that's when the selfish said, dude, you're stupid. If you continue to do this, it's because it's all about you, right? You're the only one that this is, You know, uh, serving, um, and then turning and going the other way and say, okay, now I have to take care of her, right? And then to do that, I got to take care of me. So uh, it's as soon as you stop being selfish and start being selfless, right? Where you're giving and giving, um, then then I think everything in the world kind of changes. But you can only do that when you're honest with who you are with everyone else. Right. Because as I was going through those dark times, every time I was going through a dark time, I was lying to those I loved about who I was and how I felt with the exception of my brother. He's the only one that ever knew the truth. And even then I was kind of holding things back. He knew it. Right. He would poke and prod, but he would never be just I would call it disrespectful. He would uh, you know, he would wait for me to be ready to share with him
0: that had to have been quite transformative of a moment and so it sounds like in that that moment of clarity which isn't that interesting how sometimes it's these these shocking moments that we wouldn't mm-hmm. select but they are the ones that that adjust the trajectory of our lives and yeah. so here you do this for this sweet little daughter mhm and then fourteen months later, she's gone. Will you share that with us?
1: Well, let me uh, let me uh, share an additional with you. It wasn't that daughter that was gone. So mm-hmm. I had a second daughter. So as I'm, you know, starting my climb in corporate America with Coca-Cola, um, I have a second daughter, and she's born with a distended abdomen, um, mm-hmm. uh, w- which just means her belly was very very large, right? If you if you picture the cliche uh, cartoon beer drinker with his belly all hanging out over his over his tummy, when she came out of uh, of, the, of the uterus, that's what she had. Um, and it was it was caused by um, uh, one of the uh, one of the main arteries feeding her intestinal tract as she was developing uh, didn't develop and so it didn't fully give her all the blood supply. so she came out with like 22 centimeters of, of large intestine versus like 200 and change that you're normally born with. All that to say, she didn't have enough intestine, on, at birth to sustain, to get enough nutrition via eating food. Um, so in the first six months of her life, or first three months of her life, she went through six pretty major operations. Um, even to the point where they tried to, you know, separate the large intestine and, and make, you know, try to double the length. And the operation was successful, but it still wasn't enough. But uh, um, and, and they even installed what's called a, a TPN line, which is literally a line that goes right into the valve going into your heart and this uh, TPN liquid, which is total parental nutrition is just the raw nutrients that we need to live. And unfortunately the, the body being this amazing tool that it is starts saying, well, you're getting this raw nutrition. I don't need to filter anything. So you really don't need this liver. So now her liver starts to deteriorate. So it's just this crazy, um, massive things that are happening to her. So the doctors get her stabilized so that she could get on the organ donor list. And while all this is going on, I'm out there on any stage possible, television, you know, women's clubs, whatever, right? Um, preaching, and that pretty much is what it turned into, <laughs> the benefits of being an organ donor. Because here I have a little girl that really, to save her, for her to continue alive, she's going to need somebody's organs, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was out there, you know, preaching to anyone that would listen, and quite a few people that didn't want to listen. But um, as she's going through all this, we uh, have—we're so in Atlanta, where Coca-Cola's headquarters at with my uh, my first daughter, and mom and the baby, Krista, have to go to Pittsburgh because that's where the uh, best doctors are for this particular operation, and they wanted her within close proximity of the uh, hospital, so when things happen, you know, they happen really fast because the organs are only viable for a short period of time, and so we're doing the, you know, every weekend or two going up and visiting and what have you, and anyone who's a parent uh, will get this, you'll know when something's wrong with your, your child. Right. And even though my baseline for her being okay was different than, you know, someone who's perfectly healthy, I still walked into her room one weekend. It was like, there's something not right. Right. She's the the sparks out of her eye. You know, she's not smiling like she always is. And so I um, uh, got an update from the doctor and it wasn't good. Just uh, about a week or two prior, one of the, uh, uh, nurse's assistants and not, not an official staff member, but like when I, I want to call them Ken stripers, I don't know what the term is nowadays, right. um, but that's what I recognize them as growing up. Um, uh, dropped the baby literally on her head. No joke. Something happened. The baby, you know, she lost control of holding the baby on her hip and Krista fell and hit her head pretty, pretty hard, had this huge banana-shaped hematoma. So now on top of her body fighting everything else, it's got to fight healing this hematoma, which just started a downhill uh, decline of her health. And so I pulled the doctor aside and and I said, I got to ask you a creation. And I said, if the organs were available right now, would she survive the operation? And I got a lot of doctor speak, right? And I said, no, 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 this is not going to work. And I, by the jacket, took him and pulled him into a janitor's closet and closed the door. I said, look, it's, it's just you and me. No, no administrators, no insurance companies, just, you know, you and me. And finally got the answer, um, no, he didn't believe she, she would survive. Now, not the answer you want to hear, but I know. So my next question was, do you think her health would improve to the point where she would survive? And again, unfortunately, the answer was no. So now the choice is, do we leave her on the respirator that's now breathing for her, which almost takes me full circle to I was of the mindset that was selfish because I would be keeping her here for me so that I could come and visit her, so that I can come and see her while she continued to suffer through God knows what pain she was going through, right? And so the decision uh, we made the decision to uh, disconnect the respirator, and uh, I literally we wrapped her up in her favorite blanket, and I sat in the rocking chair in her room, and I rocked her to sleep one last time. Who? Sorry, (laughs) but uh, um, and you know some people will you know get wispy eyed and and be sorrowful for that, and trust me, I, I was too but I was actually thankful for that same moment because I was able to tell her thank you for all the things that she had taught me in her short time here with us. Right. all these amazing things. And so that also gave me that opportunity to say, all right, now I can go down this path and I could probably start self-medicating, which again, selfish, right. Could, and I have had been there, so I could easily do it again, but, having that opportunity to sit there and say, thank you. And you even say, you know, those good, those types of goodbyes gave me uh, almost a release and a thought that, okay, I need to go this way because I need to honor not only her and what she told, what I told her, she taught me, but my oldest daughter who's still here. Right. And she's a couple of years old now and still looking up at me with those big brown eyes going, Hey daddy, is everything going to be okay? And, uh, you know, so I made that Again, one of those conscious decisions to I'm going this way. And I threw myself into my work and personal development. And that started me on the path of, you know, learning all these amazing things about how this thing works your head, um, you know, uh, getting introduced to the, to the likes of, you know, Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and Les Brown and all the names that we've all come to know and love over the years in that personal development field. And I started applying these things and it started impacting my work in a very positive manner. I, I got like four promotions in five years, which was this meteoric rocket oh, wow. ride, you know? So that's, that was the major turning point. Number two where I was having these epiphanies of, Wow there's these amazing tools out there that I was using on occasion as I went through life because I had learned them when I was in martial arts and the philosophies of the, of the, you know, of the Eastern arts kind of teach you some of these things, but they don't come and say, look, sometimes you're just a dummy and it's okay (laughs) to be a dummy, right? You just have to say, man, that was dumb. I don't want to do that anymore. And then you start stepping forward and say, okay, Uh, that's not me. I did that, right? That was yesterday. That's what I did yesterday. But I'm not that. I'm not that action. I am now this. Whatever this is for you, a mom, a dad, a a worker, whatever it is, an entrepreneur.
0: As I sit here, I, I think how individualized grief and sorrow and life's experiences are. Mm -hmm. We, we had a son who at 11 weeks passed away.
1: Oh my goodness. My heart breaks.
0: (laughs) Well, yes. And, and there's so much of that currently through whether it's somebody knowing somebody who has passed away because of the COVID or passed away because of suicide. Mm Mm-hmm or even a car accident or whatever it might be. It is such an individualized experience. So I'm I'm curious because your work now is working with other individuals, helping entrepreneurs, especially when life isn't fair, Mm -hmm. especially when we have those things that we could rail. What else has helped you come to these perspectives that you're talking about today?
1: I think the final one that really um turned turned the page for me was exiting what I what I will call an abusive relationship and and I don't mean abusive in the term that you know there was you know hey fist flying and bruises and what have you uh, abuse can come in so many factors and I'm sure anyone in your audience can go yeah I know what he's talking about but you know there's the there's the uh, the words that are said and when someone, That you trust dearly. And and that could be a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a close friend, a a confidant or an employer when they say you're not fill in the blank, right? You're not good enough. You're not uh, awesome enough. You're just stupid or you're dumb or maybe you're telling yourself these things right i was just gonna say self-talk yeah, can be right? the most bully of all oh, bullies. oh my god is so right and so as i'm going through all this uh personal self-development journey i'm i'm gonna say if i start off and you know for i don't know if you're going to be using any of the video for this but you were everyone say the the two spouses myself and my spouse were on the same level and i start leveling up let's use the word consciousness, right? I start leveling up my consciousness, my personal development, and they don't. Well, then now we're not really so aligned and you can't change anybody else but yourself. So it's not like I can say, hey, Mrs. Brinkman, you need to come along because she's going to say, no, I don't. I don't want to. And that was pretty much the message. And so as I continued, we got further and further apart and there was a, a the rift, it, it There is a controlling factor in there, and in that, in the early part of the relationship, I was more, I was less controlling. I was more giving up of the control, which worked for the two of us at the time. But as I started to be me, right, starting to just be myself and be honest and, and step out into being me, that didn't work. For her and there was these attempts to pull back. Oh, you're just reading those stupid books, and you're just trying to be someone else. You're trying to be. You're not Tony Robbins. You know those kinds of that kind of language began and, and what have you. So I was like, no, nah, we can't be doing this. And uh, I stayed there longer than I should. And I kept telling myself it's for the kids. And I had a, the second daughter. We had one daughter after Krista passed away. And uh, you know I was telling myself. When she's out of high school, I, I, I can't do this anymore. And uh, literally right out of high school, um, she decided to move out and on her own and more power to her, right? It's time to spread your wings and be an adult. But probably a week later, I'm like, it's time for us to go our separate ways. And I would like to say it was, you know, very amicable and everyone went their separate ways and they were happy. It, it wasn't because there was there is this ugliness about, oh, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. And don't get me wrong, right? I'm not going to say it was all her fault. Uh, it's a 50-50 relationship in any relationship, even if it's just you and your best friend. It's still 50-50. And if you two are fighting and you keep yelling at them, guess what? It's just as much your fault as it is theirs. you know. So that I think th- to come back and bring this full circle, and sorry if I'm babbling a little too much here. Um, it's uh, it, it was that moment when I said, I, I can't do this. And I need to be with someone, even if it's no one, that can accept me for me and that I can accept them for them. And stepping out of that relationship was, it was so freeing because it was like this weight was off of my chest, off of my shoulders. I could finally be me, landed a role, started a, a little business and met the most amazing woman. And we're like this, we're just feathered together. You know, we're not the perfect couple, you know, everyone, no one's perfect, but we're so aligned that we could actually sit down and, you know, have a discussion of, you know, what you said yesterday, kind of hurt my feelings. And if you can do that with someone, that's probably the most awesome thing.
0: This reminds me of when I, in college, I, my, my master's is in organizational leadership, but in one of my organizational behavior classes, I remember the, Professor talking about how when you begin a relationship and you think it's between person A and person B, mm-hmm. but he talked about that there really is a third so-called person within that relationship, which is the relationship. So mm-hmm. even when the two individuals split, you still have that third relationship mm-hmm. there that is that is to be dealt with and lived with and experienced. And it's an interesting experience for me. My husband is a mental health counselor. Mm -hmm. And so he works with couples and it can be astonishing to see how much our words can impact another individual.
1: Yeah. And and it would
0: be an interesting activity. I think to take seven days and to simply audit your words were they thumbs up for the person that apparently matters most to you or were they thumbs down? And, and can we take, you know, and that's what I love that you do for your coaching is that as you're working with your entrepreneurial clients, you're working with them to understand the depth of how do you not quit on life? How do you not quit? Even if currently you're in in what would appear like a business adversarial Mm -hmm. relationship with society right now. So Kind of to close, for those who are in the midst of just really a tough journey in their entrepreneurial experience, wow, I, we're we're recording this and almost the beginning, two days from 2021, yeah, who knows right. what this holds. But just because something is hard doesn't mean we need to quit. So what final words of hope might you give to somebody who right now it looks like all might be lost? But flash forward 12 months from now, maybe it wasn't.
1: You know, I think probably the best words of advice I could give is just take that next step. Don't focus on all the 8,700 things that you think you have to do or all the magic tools and shiny objects that are out there. Uh, And if we're focused on the entrepreneurial journey, they, they keep popping up all the time. But have that vision of what it is you're trying to accomplish. And then just take that next step. Just focus on the next step. I'll I, I liken it to being on a road um, in the fog. Well, you can only see so far in the fog. Maybe you can only see 10 feet. And you know, maybe you've seen the road when the fog wasn't there. You know that there's a, a turn up ahead. There's a right. There's a left. There's an area where there's always traffic crossing. But you don't know how far ahead it is. But you can see that 10 feet. Okay, take a step. All right, there's two feet. Guess what? You can now see two feet further, and then after that, you take the next one, and every step you take gives you feedback. So many people might call it failure, but I think it's feedback because if you did something, maybe it didn't work out the way you wanted it to, but you still did something. Now you have additional data that you could review and say, all right, I did that. work out the way i wanted it to but here's what i think maybe where i went wrong all right i won't do that part again let me try it the next step you know and, and then you just keep repeating i think uh to use what you were saying so many people when they're they're feeling down and they're about to give up they might be just that one step or those two steps away from a major breakthrough. And that major breakthrough could be money involved or meeting that right partner that can just make everything mesh together. And the partner could be a business partner, a relationship partner, spiritual partner, whoever it is, or even that coach that can say, Here, let me help you through the fog.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm really excited to have this episode air because I think there are some. I don't want to call them cool things, but you've shared some really beautiful things with our listeners. And you also have a free gift for our listeners.
1: So will you share about that? Absolutely. So if they would go to darkhorseschooling.com and they'll see the big sign up for the newsletter there. As a part of that, I share like 35 uh, productivity, time-saving tips. And then there's also the six C's of entrepreneurship that definitely help folks gain some clarity and communication and, and it, it kind of way. It's, it's a nice way to step back and say, am I missing any one of these six things? And it's, it's not overwhelming. If you can look mm-hmm. at you know, just kind of scan down these six and, and give yourself a thumbs up then you're rocking it, right? Keep going. If you have a hole in any one of those six things, then just take a few minutes and kind of say, all right, what do I need to do to fill that hole? And that's your next step. And then you just start, like I said, start stepping into the fog from there.
0: Excellent. And you have some new exciting projects. Do you want to talk about that and then how people can find you to
1: connect with you? Absolutely. We got like five... Um, digital products are about ready to be hitting the uh, hitting the airwaves. I guess we'll call it uh, hitting the internets um, in the next in Q1 of 2021. And in January, the first one they'll be hit is going to be a course about doing podcast guesting, much like I'm doing with you right now. It's an opportunity for those entrepreneurs out there to get out there, get to the exposure that they've been trying to get through all these other avenues. And those are paid avenues like, you know, Facebook ads or whatever. So here's a a great avenue that people can get their word out, their message, share their value, and then as a result, potentially get some clients in the pocket. So um, that will be coming out Probably in the next three weeks here. So, about two weeks after you drop this episode. And then behind that will be some additional ones about using podcasting as a marketing tool. And then the big signature course will be coming out uh, probably late February, early March. And that's going to be about creating your own personal digital course. So, so many entrepreneurs out there are trading those hours for dollars and we only get 24 hours. So there's a ceiling on how much you can make there. But if you can take that knowledge that you're sharing with your clients on those hour by hour basis and turn it into a course, well, now you can sell that over and over and over again and raise your your level up, start premium guests or premium clients to those, those will be your now one-on-ones uh, instead of doing that uh, whatever hourly service you're doing currently.
0: That's excellent. Okay, so how can people find you to connect with you?
1: The best way would be yet to. Let's go with uh, the darkhorseschooling.com is the website and all the socials will be there on the upper right-hand corner. Again, sign up for the newsletter and you'll get those freebies we mentioned earlier. But if you happen to be cruising Facebook, uh, you can go over to the dark horse tribe um, and you, you do the search bar there for dark horse tribe or just Tracy Brinkman. You'll see me at my big bearded smiling face there. Uh, Come over and hang (laughs) out with me right there.
0: That's wonderful. Tracy, thank you so much. I really appreciate your good heart.
1: Thank you, Cindy. It's my pleasure. You
0: are an inspiration. And what it teaches me as I listen to your story is that we can recreate ourselves at any given moment. We can recreate ourselves. And I, I firmly believe that each person on this planet has a golden heart.
1: I I believe so too. And and I think on top of that, everyone has what my coach calls a superpower. And quite often, that superpower is something they take for granted because it's so, it comes so easily and so naturally to them. It could be, you know, just talking to someone. So not everyone's good at talking to other folks, right? It could be, you know, uh, relationship you know, uh, power. It, it could be creating a, a beautiful spreadsheet, whatever it is, creating graphics. Everyone has this superpower. And I think you owe it to all of us out here that you, that you're, you're within earshot of to share your superpower, but you've got to be honest with who you are so that you can be honest with me. And so I can accept your superpower.
0: Oh, Yes. Well said. Thank you, Tracy Brinkman, for your time today. We will also have those links in the show notes. And for our listeners, will you please remember you too have a golden heart and the world needs you. Bless you and may you have a lovely day. And that, my friends, is our show today. Aren't you grateful for entrepreneurs who are willing to reach out to lift those amongst us who are struggling to stay alive in the business battlefield of life? Make sure that you subscribe and review the show. Download every episode. Don't miss a single moment with these experts who care enough to share their vulnerable moments and their triumphs. And will you join me in creating a worldwide movement of support for those who may be struggling? It would mean the world to me if you would share this episode with your amazing friends who might need the light of hope in their current struggle on their battlefield. Bless you, my friends, and I'll see you next time.